and welcome to the Green Canary. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about what the new Environment Minister, Tanya Plibersek, has lined up for her. If you didn't know, it's going to be a lot of work. We're also going to be talking a lot about gas today in terms of the gas crisis. Uh, We've got skyrocketing energy prices and we're going to get to the bottom of what is happening there. We are also going to be talking about why it is so bloody freezing in (laughs) Australia right now. I am deeply uncomfortable and my heater has been on for too long. I am Elfie Scott. I'm a journalist and a writer and I am sitting across the table as always from the wonderful Ant Sharwood. How are you going, Ant? Oh, well, wonderfully, obviously. <laughs> Very kind of you, Elfie. And look, I, I love this cold weather. I love it. I love it. It's 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 like fake conversation to start a podcast. Uh, let's talk about the weather. That will be interesting for the listeners. <laughs> but it's really cold and I love it. I love it to my core. I'm, I'm a snow lover, as you know. I'm looking to get down there. A freaking sap. Uh, very excited. You are Eastern European originally, is that correct? Well, I am of Eastern European heritage, da. Yes. Well, I feel like that's in your blood. I see, yeah, I see yeah. it every yeah. time it gets cold, you're excited, you always have a grin across your face. <laughs> but a question that I actually had for you, Anne, because I know that you're excited about the snow, but like, what do you actually do in the snow? <laughs> like, are you a, are you a skier? Are no, you a I snowboarder? I thought, I thought you were asking intimate questions. In the snow... Um, Geez, Alfie, I'm, I'm actually surprised that you'd even think I would go there. Uh, I'm, I'm a skier. I mean, look, I'm, I'm happy to eat at the same restaurants occasionally as a snowboarder. Geez, even maybe ride on a chairlift with one once in a while. But <laughs> skiers and skiers are skiers and snowboarders are over there somewhere. Oh, I see. Okay, it's I, a thing. I did not know this was a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Wow, this is hateful speech. It yeah, is. It's absolute hate speech. Absolute discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Anyway, let's get into it. So first up on the show this week, we are going to be talking about the new cabinet. Uh, We are basing this on a great article that was written by three powerhouses at The Guardian, Adam Morton, Lisa Cox and Graham Redfern. And they wrote this fantastic article basically walking the audience through what Tanya Plibersek is going to have to get on top of in her new role as Environment Minister. So they've cleverly broken this down into five categories. They have conservation laws, forest destruction, climate change, the creation of an environmental protection agency, and addressing the Great Barrier Reef crisis. So essentially, the journalists talk about uh, those things in detail. They talk about how Plibersec is going to have to assess the strength of the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. She's also going to have to look at forest destruction, which we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast uh, because we're always talking about koalas. (laughs) Um, And then she's also got to get on top of um, climate change in terms of approval of fossil fuel projects. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really fantastic article and I think that it really outlines the work that Labor has ahead of them in the next couple of years. And how did you find it? It certainly did. Yeah, look, I, re- I just really enjoyed the article and I'm, I'm glad we're starting with it as our first piece um, because, you know, they are three big guns there, as you mentioned, um, at, at The Guardian. And it, it, it's kind of, I felt like I was reading like, my season preview for the AFL from my three favourite footy writers, you know. <laughs> that is actually, yeah, it's got the same vibe as a yeah, sports yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, I think they obviously covered off the, the main things. I, I, I think uh, it's really interesting, the creation of an EPA, an Environmental Protection Authority, which most of the states have, um, you know, and again, uh, a bit like... Um, the, the, the corruption thing. What's that? The Integrity Commission, sorry. Oh, Federal um, ICAC. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, no, yeah. I see what you mean. Uh, that's something that has worked at a state level and, and that 
you know, it is now believed will work at a, at a federal level. And mm. I think the same would go with the EPA. But, you know, so so all, all of that lies ahead of Tanya. She's going to be an exceptionally busy woman. It's worth remembering that although she's been a minister, um, she's had all sorts of portfolios. She was minister for housing. Uh, she was minister for the status of women. She was minister for human services. She was the minister for social inclusion. She's got quite a CV going for herself. She was even... Uh, Health Minister, this, this of course, was all back in the Rudd and Gillard governments. Um, Plibersek was not groomed for the Environment Minister role. Mm. Um, that person, of course, was Terry Butler, who was being groomed for the role. But ironically, Terry Butler lost her seat of Griffith in Brisbane to the Greens. Oh, so okay. the future would-be Environment Minister wasn't green enough for, for her um, electors. But... but um, so, so Tanya's got the big chair. She, she's got, as, as we've discussed, several issues ahead of her. And, you know, there was something that they didn't mention in that story. I, I just think she's got to get the Murray-Darling Basin plan right. Mm. Uh, that She's got to tweak it. She's got to implement bits that aren't being implemented still. Um, water buybacks is a huge part of that. I think we might have a whole show in the future about how that works so we don't get bogged down in it now. But, you know, suffice to say uh, that is on her agenda as well. David Littleproud, now leader of the Nationals, uh, spent time in the election campaign saying the Murray-Darling Basin plan was dead, done, over, his exact words. Um, Not how Labor sees it. They see that the uh, MDBP must set the right balance between the needs of local communities, farmers and the environment. The Murray-Darling Basin is twice the size of France, Elfie. It's an area we have to get right. So I think that's one thing that was was left off. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I think it will be very interesting to watch Tanya Plibersek's progression over the next couple of years, especially coming off the back of a government that had Susan Lay in charge of the environment. Uh, She was somebody who I think it would be fair to say sort of kept out of the spotlight quite a bit, uh, sort of didn't draw a huge amount of attention to herself until she was forced to. Um, So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how Tanya establishes herself in the public eye um, in that role. Susan Lay will be remembered as the Environment Minister who went to court to uh, successfully challenge a ruling that she had to care for kids. Yes. Yeah, look, it wasn't fantastic at the end of it. And let's hope that Labor sets a different precedent. And, and, and said kid, who, who's probably now an adult, she's probably 18 almost, um, Anjali Sharma, yes. was on the Green Canary podcast. So go back through our back catalogue and listen to Elfie's chat with her. Yeah, it was a fantastic one. All right. Well, let's talk about gas now, because I think that this has been across everybody's headlines uh, for the past week. And... What is happening with gas? <laughs> oh, now we're cooking with gas, Elfie. Look, it's it's a mess. It's an absolute bloody mess. Gas prices have soared. Let's let's start with what the current and former environment minister thinks is happening with gas. There was a great Twitter spat this week. And look, if you spent a podcast uh, covering every Twitter spat that happens during the week, your podcast would be longer than the week itself. <laughs> so I try to avoid um, taking Twitter spats as news. But, but you know, this is a good sort of uh, window, a, little, a tiny little, you know, snapshot of what's going on. Um, Angus Taylor said Chris Bowen needs to pick up the phone and speak to the people who can get more gas supply into the network. They need to stop looking dazed and come up with solutions. Chris Bowen, the new energy minister, replied to Angus Taylor, the old energy minister. Yeah, geez, uh, thanks for the advice, Angus. 
Uh, but given your nine years of delay and denial left our country unprepared for this crisis, yeah, I'm a hard pass, as in... <laughs> I'm a hard pass for your advice. Okay, so unprepared for this crisis. What is this crisis? The crisis is we do not have enough gas. Prices are soaring. Um, we, we, we could absolutely go into this at great, great, great length, but the short version is we export too much fossil fuel. Mm. Um, look, first of all, always underpinning this, we want to get rid of all fossil fuel as part of our energy mix. We're not there yet. To keep the lights on, to keep our houses warm, we need gas and coal for now. We expect we export too much of it. Um, only Western Australia of the states keeps 15% for domestic purposes. Right. We so pre- are they not experiencing the same crisis that we exactly are right now? Exactly right. And I don't even want to go into the stats. The stats are astronomical. Um in terms of, I mean, if you you know, there's there's a suggestion that 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 gas prices, the wholesale price, has gone up by a, a, a factor of eighty, like it's eighty times Eight. what it was. Oh my god! We're and? not talking about doubling. I mean, this is the whole, this for various reasons, Elfie. This is not all passed on to consumer level, but but the wholesale price of gas has soared. Warring Ukraine is a huge part of it. Mm. The reason, obviously, is that people are steering clear of Russian gas um, because of sanctions. Why do we not keep more of our gas in Australia? Because we make so much money in exports, because we Uh. care more about export dollars than we do about making life easier for Australians, uh, despite uh, it's it's kind of trickle-down economics gone man. Big export dollars, and then some of that will flow back to us, and we'll all be better off. Except we can't pay our power bills. Yeah, so, right. Elfie, this this has probably been me talking for three or four minutes, which is probably three and a half minutes too long. But <laughs> there is a classic supply and demand situation here: um, shortage of supply, spike in demand during due to the cold weather this week. Uh, gas prices are soaring. We're seeing stories about small retailers who can't wear the price, um, the wholesale price rises very well, potentially going out of business. Right. There was one called Reamped saying, "Hey, uh, customers, uh, jump ship before we have to price put prices up," which was somewhere between noble and and tragic. Um, but that's what's going on. Chris Bowen, uh, sorry, Angus Taylor is blaming Chris Bowen. It is too early to blame this government. At some point, we'll be in this interesting mid-zone in the blame game where this government will have had time to do something about it. Right. This week, and then we can argue about whose fault it is. Right now, I think we can say that Angus Taylor failed. And remember, Bruce uh, Robertson, the gas energy, the gas analyst from AIFA, um, the Institute for Energy, Economics and Financial Analysis, AIFA, came on last week. And he told us all, all, all about how how we're our own worst enemy mm. with gas supply issues. So Chris Bowen is meeting with the state energy ministers and other other stakeholders this week to try and sort something out supply wise. That's the sort of measure that after a year or so and we can start to look at and evaluate whose fault is it, this government's or the previous. Right now, it's the previous.
Right. Okay. Well, that was excellent analysis. Thank you so much for that, Ant. But at the moment, I'm really just hoping that my boyfriend has turned the heater off because he has <laughs> kept it on for so long and I'm terrified of what our energy bills are going to look like. Anyway, so now we are going to talk about labor again, because why not? Let's talk about what the new government is doing. We are going to talk about the Scarborough gas project. Uh, basically, this week, the Albanese government said that they would give their support to the massive and controversial Scarborough gas project by Woodside in WA. So the new resources minister, Madeline King, confirmed that the project has the government's support. She also said this week that the government would absolutely not make it more difficult for fossil fuel developments uh, to progress it's it's a mess um anyway i did a fantastic interview uh this week with jess panagiris the head of clean transitions at greenpeace and she basically explained to me why it is so frustrating that labor is standing behind this project now and why it's been so controversial for a while so let's have a listen to that interview So I know that Greenpeace has been campaigning around the Scarborough gas project in WA for some time now, and I was wondering why it is such a big focus for Greenpeace and why you are putting so much energy into talking about it. Yeah, so Woodside Energy's Scarborough project is the most polluting fossil fuel project currently on the cards in Australia. So that's why Greenpeace is engaged. the climate implications of this project are huge, but so are the potential biodiversity implications. So this is probably less known about Scarborough, but where Woodside wants to drill this big new gas field is off the coast of Northwest Western Australia. Um, It's really beautiful marine environments up there. Um, And Woodside's own documents show that if something went wrong, it could impact a whole heap of really important marine areas, including Ningaloo Reef, which is World Heritage listed and very beloved by Western Australians and Australians. So what are the sort of potential things that could go wrong in that scenario and that could affect the Ningaloo Reef? So there's a few different things that could go wrong. Um, Woodside talk about this in their own documents for the project. If there was a kind of worst case they, they talk about it as a gas spill or a blowout, um, then this can spill gas into the marine environment. Um, Ningaloo Reef has, you know, some of the world's most beautiful marine creatures. Um, Woodside says that they could be impacted if something goes wrong. And then obviously that's the direct impacts from the projects. But if you take a step back and you look at the greenhouse gas emissions that are going to come from Scarborough, Um, Climate Analytics has crunched the numbers and they say the Scarborough Pluto project will release cumulatively about 1.3 billion tonnes of extra greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere. And that's at a time when we know we need to be doing everything we possibly can to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. So both the direct impacts and then the climate impacts are a risk to Ningaloo Reef because we know that if the world exceeds 1.5 degrees warming, then our coral reefs won't survive. They've modelled what happens at two degrees of warming in the world, none of the coral reefs survive. So look, there's, there's really strong climate reasons and biodiversity reasons to be concerned about Scarborough. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. And this week, Labor have said that they will put their support behind the project. Um, And I'm wondering how you feel about that, especially following an election that we all felt really optimistically was the climate election that voters were asking for. Yeah, look, I think it's important to note, as you said, that it definitely was a climate election. I think we did see just a massive mandate for climate action for the Labor government, but also with the really strong votes for climate independence and for the Greens. I think the Australian people have spoke very loudly and very clearly that we want climate solutions and we want them now. So obviously in that context, it is disappointing to see the new federal government voice support for the most climate polluting fossil fuel development currently proposed in Australia. You know, we can't sugarcoat that. But at this point, it's not like it's a done deal. So there are still regulatory and legal avenues for stopping Skybra. In fact, it's being assessed by the independent regulator Nopsema at the moment, and they still haven't given Woodside the approvals they need to progress. So there's, there's still a lot of effort that can be put into trying to draw the regulator's attention to the climate and biodiversity impacts of this project and the fact that they're unacceptable in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it was announced that Labor was putting their support behind this project, they were talking again about uh, gas being a transitional source of fuel uh, from fossil fuels to renewable energy. And, you know, that's the sort of rhetoric that we've heard from the coalition, particularly in the past couple of years. So I'm wondering uh, how you feel about that specifically as well, hearing that sort of speak from Labor. Well, look, let's be honest, the gas industry globally and in Australia has spent at least a decade um, ramming this messaging down Australians' throats. And so I think they've been kind of quite successful in a way in selling this myth that somehow it's better to go from coal to gas rather than to go from coal to renewables. And I think um, what's really amazing about kind of the historic moment that we're in, in 2022 is that renewables are now the cheapest source of new electricity in the world you know the international energy agency has said that solar is the cheapest source of new electricity that's ever existed in history you know the economics of this has changed so fast that we're now at a time where we can go straight from fossil fuels to renewables and we don't need to detour through gas and in fact if you just look at the case of woodside Um, CSIRO, our National Science Agency, actually modelled a bunch of scenarios for Woodside um, looking at what happens if we put more gas into key Asian export markets. And they did find that under certain scenarios, more gas into those markets just replaces renewables. It displaces them. And so I think we're at a moment in time where the solution is here. We need to be turbocharging renewables, um, turbocharging solar backed with batteries, and we we can actually bypass gas. Yeah, wow, okay. And I mean, instead of Labor saying that they're gonna put their support behind projects like Scarborough, is that what you would prefer to see them do? Um, To, you know, put all of their effort and energy into the renewable energy revolution? I would love to see the new Labor government going as fast as they possibly can at the clean energy transition. And look, I think they have a lot of really fantastic policies and commitments that they've already made and I know that they've got a lot of projects 
that are going to be good for reducing emissions, good for creating jobs, good for creating new industries in the clean economy. And I, I do think they understand that that is the future for Australia. You know, Australia really can lead the world in clean energy, exports, technology, expertise. And I think it's about doing that as quickly as we can so that we don't need to rely on these outdated fossil fuel industries. And we're seeing that with the kind of debate at the moment over energy and electricity prices on the East Coast. <coughs> the over-reliance on fossil fuels has created absolute chaos in our electricity markets. And so now's a huge opportunity to just absolutely embrace the clean energy revolution and move towards it as quickly as we possibly can. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jess. I really appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. So that was Jess Panagiris, the head of Clean Transitions at Greenpeace. And yeah, I think she had some fantastic points in there. One thing that I was surprised by was the fact that even if Labor puts their support behind this, it's not a done deal. And I really liked to hear Jess say that because it really gives you the focus and energy to look at a project like that and say, well, we actually do have a hand in being able to stop something like that. And the activists aren't at the end of this project yet. You know, they're going to be able to keep fighting. I also wanted to hit you with one more statistic about the Scarborough Gas Project, and because this is something that I read in Bill Hare's article in The Conversation this week. The amount of emissions that the Scarborough Gas Project would produce would be nearly twice as much as the emissions avoided by all the rooftop solar panels in Australia every year. Over the life of the project, I assume you mean. But yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's big. It's 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 a massive project. I mean, I'm, I'm aware it's huge, and I must admit, my ears pricked up as well when um, she said it's not a, a done deal. But it was a great interview by you. I love it when you you go to people like Greenpeace. Um, I'm such a pragmatic old bastard in my middle age, and I <laughs> I sort of want to go to analysts and people like that. But it's good to hear from the activists, and you sort of feel here that Labor is saying thank you. Western Australia for, um, I think it was five seats that turned red in the mm. election. Um, thank you, Western Australia, for, for definitely having the biggest swing towards Labor in the, in, in the country. No way uh, was the Albanese government ever going to take away, uh, not kicking and screaming anyway, um, <clears throat> such a big potential revenue maker for, for the WA economy. So there's a bit of politics going on there, but I loved hearing from Jess Climate first, climate first, climate first, politics second. You'd think I'd know that presenting this podcast or co-presenting it with you, but it's always good to be reminded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about mulch. This is a very cute story and I like it. Actually, would I describe it as cute? Just good. It's a mm. good story. All right. So Woolworths and Big W are finally phasing out their renew reusable plastic bags. Uh, so within the year, they're going to start gradually running down the stock of those thicker plastic bags mm -hmm. that you can buy. I think they're something like 40 cents each. Uh, this is fantastic news because they've said that getting rid of the plastic bags will cut more than 9,000 tonnes of those plastic bags from circulation every year, which is pretty wild. And also, I would say, I've probably got about half a tonne of these things under my kitchen sink <laughs> myself. That is so true. They accumulate, don't they? You don't want to throw them out. Yeah, I don't know what to do with them. Just have to go and buy everything in Woolworths. <laughs> Just have to, you know, one of everything, please. Um, yeah, that happens to us too. Now, um, next little thing on mulch, our little bits of clippings here at the end of the pod. It's cold. 
We spoke about that at the start of the pod. Yeah. It's bloody freezing. What's going on? I thought the world was heating up. Help me, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's not quite that simple. We're, the, the, we're, having, we're having some cold weather and that happens. However, did you know that yesterday Australia recorded its second highest June temperature on record? Wow. And only by 0.1 of a degree up in Western Australia, somewhere a little place called Bradshaw. They actually got 100 on the old Fahrenheit scale. They got 37.8 Celsius. Um, we had the warmest, uh, the third warmest autumn on record in Australia, which is absolutely mind-bogglingly remarkable because La Nina, as we know, makes it cloudy, makes it rain a lot. Right. Rainy, cloudy weather always makes it cooler. So the fact that we've just gone and had our third warmest autumn in in all that wet weather is ridiculous. So please, everybody, uh, a week of really cold weather like we're having now is exactly that weather. It is not the climate. Got it. Okay. And and you have also discovered a new snowy mountains walk this week, haven't you? Look, it's just on my mind all this snow, and I just wanted to talk about it really quickly uh, because <laughs> it was the weirdest timing ever. The New South Wales government. Oh, God bless them. They announced the opening uh, of the new Snowy's Walk, Snowy's Alpine Walk, it's called, uh, when a metre of snow had fallen that day. So, or you know, the best part thereof. So you literally couldn't walk it the day that they said, hey, we've got a new walk. <laughs> so New South Wales government. Anyway, this is a thing I just want to tell people about. Um, it's going to rival the overland track in Tasmania. That's what's interesting about it. I've had a mate working on it, laying down little slabs of granite. Um, it's basically a 55k walk that links up a lot of the iconic spots uh, around Mount Kosciuszko mm -hmm. and the highest parts of Australia. Actually links the ski resort selfie. So you can go and do a full wilderness walk of, say, 15, 18k's all day. Yeah. Then go and have a wine at the end of it and a warm bed. Oh, my God. Wilderness plus wine. That's, that's uh, not such a bad combo, is it? Bloody hell. Well done. And I imagine that walk is going to be busy now that you put on the podcast. So well done. <laughs> all right. So that is all we have time for today. Before we go, as ever, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording. We'd like to pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge that this land was stolen, never ceded. Yes, very well said, as ever. And I just want to quickly remind people to subscribe to the uh, newsletter which I'm going to turn my hand to in the next 24 hours. Just send us an email if you like, hello at thegreencanary.co, and you will get freshly delivered one steaming hot, delicious um, <laughs> extra anchovies uh, newsletter straight to your inbox. And also say hello to us on Twitter. We are at Green Canary Pod there, and we are at Green Canary Media on Instagram. That's where to find us. And of course, you can find us here next week as well. There's a long weekend in most states, except I believe for WA, for the Queen's birthday long weekend. But we'll be here and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.